everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, my new book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBooks Successful Authors Podcast. And today I have daughter, best friend, wife, mother, Greek, American, Norwegian, vice president, attorney, dancer, cook, and ridiculously enthusiastic Seahawks fan, Mari Lena Falaris, the author of Women Enemies. Hi, Mari Lena. How are you? I'm well, Eric. Thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me. Wow, thank you. I'm out of wind now. Did I did I get it right? Did I get your name right? I'm sorry. You you did. You did. You even rolled the R. So thank you so much. Yes, I I'm I've been living in Europe for 20 years, so everybody doesn't know where my accent's from. It's a it's a combination California, Ireland, Germany. So <laughs> try to figure <laughs> that out. But you're Greek, American, and Norwegian. Yes, I am. I would say probably the Greek roots you know really really were overbearing there but i definitely am from born in greece raised in seattle i have a huge norwegian side to me contingent in seattle and um we're all brunettes we say we come from genghis khan but we have the, the nordic side <laughs> we're vikings cool. love water vikings wow and so, that yeah. that is a combination strong <laughs> women everywhere I correct like yes. what part of greece were you born in so i was born in athens um mm. But every summer I went back, continued to go back to a little village called Yokombos um, on the island of Evia. Okay, nice. I've been to all the party islands and Rhodos. <laughs> I love Greece. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I've never been to the mainland. So, so what's your favorite Greek island? That's a very, very hard question. Um, but because they're all, there's over 300 plus islands. Um, you know, the island we got married on was Skathos. They filled parts of Mamma Mia on that one. That's beautiful. But I would say Milos is also up there as oh. well, which is where the Venus de Milo comes by. It's close to your party uh, <laughs> island of Mykonos, where my cousin yeah. lives year, year round. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, I've been to Rhodos. Um, I don't know if I've been to Mykonos. What is that by Eos, Santorini, Eos? And then Mykonos is the third one in that chain, I think. And, so it's um, Santorini, Mykon it's a cyclade. So Santorini, yeah. uh, Milos, and uh, Mykonos. Santorini and Mykonos are close to each other. Oh, okay. So Mykonos I've been to Santorini. The, yeah. Mykonos is the biggest party island in Greece. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. Oh, how could I forget Crete or Creta? I've been there too. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, I have yet to go, go there because when I go, I see my family, but I have friends that live there. No, I, I, I just... I love Greece so much because, um, you know, I, I go to Spain a lot. And, and, but ever since I discovered Greece, I've, I've just been going there because, for example, 
Creta has the lowest or the southernmost point in Europe. And the little town is called, I don't know, here Petra. I don't know if I say it right. but um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, man, it's just... For when you're coming from northern Germany, it's just the best thing. So, and then you've got all the history around you. It's just awesome, you know. For authors, it's especially awesome. And I learned something because I was on this little tiny party island called Eos, and we oh, yeah. found the grave of Homer. And mm -hmm. a Greek friend said, "Yeah, but Homer was buried everywhere. On every island, you'll find a grave of Homer. Is that true?" You know, I would love to say I know the answer to that question, but that is news to me. Um, but I will say every Greek island has a different history. It's incredible that, you know, they've been through many wars. They have great different histories and you can go and see the historical sites. And then, um, you know, my friends, they really, when they came out for a wedding, we had over a hundred people coming from outside of Greece to our wedding and they just loved the welcoming culture, the food, yeah. and you get to kind of relax and have that, that enjoy the moment yeah. and be present and not worry. Yeah, let me tell you, well, actually this is where I'm supposed to be interviewing you, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay, I love the conversation. <laughs> but I was in Greece many times and, and uh, we went to the, first we went to the islands of Spain, Mallorca. And mm -hmm. the, the Spanish there aren't very happy with the tourists, they're just swamped. But then I went to Greece and holy cow, what a difference. This, the, the Greek hospitality is legendary. It's the best in the world. We took this little ferry from one tiny island to the next and you get out of the ferry and there's a hundred, hundred people like throwing signs at you and say, hey, come get in my car, come get in my car. I've got a hotel for you, you know? And so you just grab, I, I grabbed the cutest little old man and <laughs> I, I, I had to reach into this crowd of a thousand hands and and then grab him and then he took me and my buddy to his car and he drove us up this serpentine mountain road passing trucks we thought we were gonna die you know and then <laughs> and he brought us to this hotel his own hotel you know it's like they mm -hmm. this mom and pop hotel it was just so awesome i can't i can't tell people enough how awesome greece is you got to go there if you're going to europe you got to go to greece first you know? i tell everybody that you you know you're gonna feel like you're part of the family i i'm so impressed by the hospitality and that was something we got from everyone that came and went to different islands and my cousin is in the hospitality business. She lives in Mykonos um, mm -hmm. most of the year. And she really, her whole staff mm -hmm. really embodies hospitality and everyone does. So I just tell people to go swim, eat, relax, and enjoy the little things. And I think that's what the Greek life really teaches you. Oh, yeah. You have to give me the contacts for the next time I go to Greece so I can go oh. tell her that I know you. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I will tell you. Yes, I will. <laughs> and um, uh, what, uh, when are you going back? My hope is the summer. So we've been going, I was, while I was born in Greece, I moved to Seattle when I was nine months old. Um, mm -hmm. But I've only missed, I want to say about three summers, my entire life in Greece. I spent every summer I went and spent with my family, my grandparents, uncle and cousins and aunt um, in Ayokombos and then went to different islands. Um, so we hope to go every island. I took my maternity leave part of it in Greece and we hope mm -hmm. to go this summer. Um, given with the coronavirus, we're hoping... Mm -hmm. Things will clear up uh, and we'll be back to Greece. It's something I want to instill in my son. Yeah, I have tickets to go to California in June. I hope this is over by then. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have to let us know when you come over. I'm in California now, so you have to let yeah. us know when you come. <laughs> yeah, where are you in California? 
I'm in Marina del Rey, which is close to right next door to Venice and um, Santa Monica. Excellent. So West LA. Yes, definitely. Like it, like it. And, and okay, so let's get to business. What got you started <laughs> in writing, actually? You know, it was interesting. You know, I went to law because lawyers write, but they, they like to talk a lot. And I've always liked, I never considered myself growing up to be you know, a writer. And I, as I got older in college and afterwards, I liked to journal or write my thoughts down. And um, I started, you know, when I really started writing was emails, actually, there was, and it's from the book. Mm -hmm. uh, it started, the theme of the book was when the other woman to my then fiance wrote me an email a year after I had ended things with my fiance cheating on me and she wrote me an email that wasn't nice and I responded to her and admittedly not in a nice way um, but it, there was a lot of comedy to it as well and we went back and forth and my friends ended up forwarding those emails and they ended up being read at bachelorette parties and group and people just thought they were funny and entertaining and uh, I realized I like to express myself through writing and I just sat down in a coffee shop um, when I was 29 years old and mm -hmm. started writing and I realized um, I really like to express myself um, but not write probably in the most sophisticated I'm not you know Socrates I'm not you know these old you know when you think of writers you think of a lot more sophisticated and I wanted to write a book where people could relate in all levels that's awesome so yeah you're um are you a criminal lawyer what what uh Expertise. Oh, so I am, I, I like to say, I, I'm an, our law firm does employment law. Um, I don't practice anymore. I'm more on the operations side. I'm vice president. Uh, mm -hmm. We rep, I'm very proud of the firm. Um, we represent uh, people who've been wronged by their employer. So terminated, harassed, discriminated against, mm -hmm. hurt on the job and not paid benefits or class actions as well. But um, I've done marketing in the legal field. I, I, I like to say I like to do not the actual practice of law, but the um, operations, the marketing and helping people through that. But I was yeah. a law school nerd and I graduated at the top of my class, but I, nice. I, like, I like congratulations. The oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I like, I like the uh, actual people side of it and dealing with people every day and dealing the operations and marketing side of it. Well, I think um, law and people that work there kind of presupposed to writing. There have been a lot of famous authors like uh, Grish, Grissom, uh, John Grisham um, was a lawyer. And so you probably have a bunch of ideas for your next books. Yeah, you know, I want to have, I already have the outline for my sec the sequel. Uh, oh, what's it going to be called? Can you tell? <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, no, I, I won't tell you that. It's, it's going to be part of the Womenemies theme, but it's going to okay. be talking about, it. my last chapter of the book hits on it, um, mm -hmm. and it talks about how women need to stop being enemies to themselves first, mm -hmm. and that book is probably going to, is going to talk about that specifically, because there's a lot that you can go into depth about how women are their own worst enemies. And sometimes <laughs> it's, it's, it's their insecurities that make them act a certain way towards others. And, and what I like to talk about is myself and come from a vulnerable place because I'm not above anybody else. So mm -hmm. um, these books have helped me as well. Yeah, so tell us about your book. Why, why did you write it? Um, so I, I mentioned it briefly, but you know, I, I started with it, what, the, what sparked it was when 
you know, I had, I was that loyal Greek girl engaged to somebody who was not Greek, despite my family's wishes. Um, they accepted him, but I, um, you know, I found out he had been cheating on me. So I ended it. Um, you know, I had my dress and everything. It was a devastating time for me. I had been with him almost 10 years. And a year later, I still got contacted from the other woman who I didn't blame up until the point she started becoming aggressive with me. And I didn't, and she was telling me things like back off my man. If you read the book, actually the emails are published in that book, but we changed names for privacy, obviously. Um, but, you know, it, when, and so I just needed to vent. And so I, I started writing and then it made me really stop and think, um, you know, two things came to mind when I, when I started writing it, I started putting an outline together and I thought of a, what, where, what are parts of our lives that women are enemies to each other? Cause that can be in each chapter. And that's where I started outlining my book in this coffee shop in Santa Monica. And yeah. then I also thought about how, what caused me to think of that too, is that I was so lucky growing up until almost I went to college. My childhood friends, we never went through that. There was no jealousy. Hmm. Um, if we were mad at each other, we would tell each other. Uh, there was no, it, it just, I was very, I was very blessed and I still am with an amazing support system of strong, educated women who help each other. So when I went to college, I don't know, it, it, I started seeing the competitors, the jealousy, being the other woman. And then, you know, through law school and being a law clerk, I think in the legal profession, women can be really, really hard on each other more than on men. Um, they try to compete with each other and rather than help lift each other up. But on the flip side, um, I've got, had so many experiences where I've had such positive women lift me up. So I thought of the name, um, when I was like about to fall asleep, that's sometimes when I have my best ideas and I get up and I have a notepad by my bed. Yeah. Um, and I, cause I was saying women are enemies to each other. And then right. it came up with women enemies. And yeah. I, you know, I know that that's a grasping title, but, and people might think it's a negative tone, but it actually is a positive because the whole point is women enemies and how to eliminate them. So my whole part is showing that there's simple steps, which you can eliminate instances of women enemies because we've all done it. And we can focus that energy that we've used in the past towards negative actions mm -hmm. to put them towards positive actions. Because when women get together and support each other, we're unstoppable. And um, I, I, this book is then also a tribute to all the amazing women that have been there for me because they're so, as much as there is negative, there is more positive. And so when people are done reading the book, you know, it's, and I come from a vulnerable place where I've been a woman enemy to somebody as well. Um, and I, but I give positive lessons at the end and examples of amazing people in my life that have helped. Mm -hmm. me. I, I want people to walk away with that. Um, yeah. So, my so wife. Had, oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. So that's what made me write, write the book. And then, you know, I went through and I just kept on adding it through my life. You know, I, mm -hmm. Did talk about my Greek mother-in-law, um, which you know I got my husband's approval, and it has not been translated to Greek yet or made it to uh -oh. the little he's in. But you know, <laughs> it, it. But even that shows how we're working on things. And and you know, my grandma was that way, and she made things happen. But then I went through. I recently gave birth almost two years ago, and dealing with that and post-pregnancy and pregnancy, there's a lot, a lot of mother judgers out there, and. Um, <laughs> And I end it with, you know, don't be a woman enemy to yourself, which um, I think is really, really important. So I really want to help others because I've learned a lot of lessons from amazing people in my life. 
And, um, you know, I, I will say, I take one thing from guys, they get over stuff so much better than women. And I, if, you know, I just want us to be like men in that point of just, you know, okay, let's talk it out, move on, don't hold a grudge. Um, and let's focus on the positive. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, that's uh, when, when a guy reads the book, it's his first impression, man, there's a, all this stuff that women do, you know, guys just don't do that. So I had my wife read the book and she, her question to you was, wow, did that all really happen to you? Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, there is no made up stories. I did. And there is a disclaimer at the book that I did change, you know, some facts or some um, you know, names, because the, the identities isn't really what matters. What matters is the lesson that comes from it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been interesting. I've gotten emails from people I don't know and reviews and people reaching out to me via social media saying they could relate to one thing in this book or at least two or three. Um, and, you know, that means a lot. And, they, and I've had people say, you know, I, it made me realize I've been an enemy and I don't understand the negative impact I've had yeah. on others. And I've had a lot of guys reach out to me and my guy friends who I didn't even think in a million years would have read it. <laughs> and they said they didn't realize that women are, you know, certain things that women go through that they didn't even realize they did go through and how they can help make the situation better, especially in the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's get into that. I, I've highlighted a bunch of your book. Um, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll just go with the first one. Chapter five, don't be another yeah. woman's cause of stress in the workplace. Can you expound on that? Yeah, you know, I, I know I talk about one main example in that book, but it's, uh, it's prevalent. I've had it many a times. Um, and what I've noticed is that women tend to compete, not congratulate each other enough, and, it's, and not want to work with other women. I've had plenty women say, I'd rather have a boss that's a male than a female because they had the unfortunate experiences with somebody who was basically comparing and making sure that they didn't get the spotlight or competing with them. Um, I've had it where I had a dear friend and we both went up for a promotion and um, we actually both weren't considered for it the first time around and then I ended up getting up it six months later and she stopped talking to me and it was, mm -hmm. it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had people make side comments, keep me off of emails, lie and, I noticed that even, you know, in myself and other women, they'll compare themselves only to the other women in the room. And hmm. that doesn't, I think, and I talk about this in my book, I think it comes from, you know, some people say it comes from the old patriarchal society where there was only two women that were, you know, or only one woman had a seat at the table. And now that there's more, we shouldn't, you know, be doing that, but we still internally compete thinking there's only one seat. I, I kind of call, excuse my language, BS on that um, mm. because I think there is a lot more room at the table. I've been part of an amazing company in my prior job that had mostly women in executive positions and they ran amazingly. So I, I just think we need to really help another woman rather than being um, the person that doesn't help them get elevated to the next level. And just because one woman is succeeding doesn't mean that you're succeeding less. Um, you should be happy for her. And so I, I noticed that a lot. And um, women can go the extra mile with the catty comments and, <laughs> um, and yeah. just not helping each other and being a source of stress and negativity that really cuts down on productivity and can really, really um, 
scar somebody. I was a law clerk and I, there was a female attorney associate who gave me, she basically hazed me and hmm. they finally found out about it. Uh, you know, she had to handwriting labels until two in the morning. She would tell me to not do a memo, just print out research and then tell the senior partners that she told me to write a memo hmm. um, and threw me under the bus. And they finally caught wind of it. But for three months when that's your first job and you're terrified, Wow. Uh, yeah. It can be, it can be, but then I realized and I heard she was treated that way when she was a law clerk in New York. So <laughs> we need, we need to break the cycle. That's yeah, what I, yeah, yeah. So it's still pretty low. Yeah. But I don't think sometimes people even understand what, you know, one person might view as a competition or just making fun of one person could have effect where somebody doesn't want to come into the office or is mm -hmm. stressed out. And that's what I want to say is that catty comments can really, really breed mm. Um, negativity more than even the person might have intended. I, I, I do believe in the good in people and I believe in even the people who have done negative actions in my book, they have a lot of good to them and they probably will turn it around and be amazing. And I've been a women enemy too. So it, it, I think again, if we look at the action and not blame the person and see the good in everybody, we can, we can take one step further. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of um, shocking to me sometimes when I hear these things as a guy and say, God, man. But okay, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, I, I, like I said, I got all sorts of highlights right after that one too. You kind of said it already. Stand up for your fellow female colleague. Yes. Um, there is amazing things that women have done. And in that case, when I was being hazed, I had, a mentor who is now one of my best friends, She's a, she was a bridesmaid at my wedding, she stood up for me and went to the partners and said, no, this is what happened. And mm -hmm. she actually, she had, when you're an attorney and, and you're younger, you have tons of billable hours you have to meet. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, really, really hard. And she took time out of her day every day to help me with my writing, give me substantial feedback. I mean, she would redline. I mean, it was, it was a lot of feedback, but I owe a lot to her because she gave me the confidence that I can do this. And yes, there's a negative person, but there's a lot of positive. And she, she didn't need to, she didn't need to do that. It was not her assignment, but she took me <laughs> under her wing. And I try to do that and give back whenever I can, because, you know, you make, you can make such an impact. And, um, you know, I had one of the best bosses I've ever had in my life. She, um, I worked with her for four years and, she was uh, a really amazing, smart, she saw through, you know, the weeds and she wanted to make, she knew everybody, even in the role, they have different, different strengths. And she wanted to always highlight your strengths to senior management and her team. She put her team first. And if her team won, she won, but she gave tough love. I mean, if she gave me feedback and it was tough to hear sometimes, I knew it was coming from a good place. And to me, she forever takes, taught me how to manage others and uplift others. And that's what I, I try to bring positive air every day. Cause if you feel like in, that your boss is engaging you, is uplifting you, is supporting you and is, sh you know, showing your strengths to the world, you're only going to work harder for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. She sounds like a good mentor. Where is she now? She's in Southern California. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's still moving and shaking and, and <laughs> a men mentor to many people. And um, she's a dear friend. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I would like to have a mentor like that too. Sounds good. Yeah. 
now about my favorite chapter it says, don't be a mother monster-in-law. That was mine. That's yeah, that was really, I, I'm sure many men can go with that one too. So tell us about that. You know, it's funny. That's been a lot of men's favorite chapters. See, I told um, you. <laughs> you know, they love their mommies, uh, but, but no, it's, uh, they can relate to it a lot because I think men uh, have to be sometimes the mediator or sometimes men just want to avoid the situation, but it happens a lot where their mother, who was usually the only woman in their life now is sharing the limelight with their wife. Um, and it, I feel this book touches on issues and especially this chapter that is universal. You can come from any culture, you can come from anywhere and there's always going to be the mother and mother-in-law and daughter, um, you know, wars, I guess I would say, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and in a way I kind of understand, uh, when I was pregnant with my son, I, I hadn't even entered, left my womb and entered the world. <laughs> and the thought of him leaving me, um, uh, for another, like to just leave, graduate, go to college and then get married and, not be relying on me as much it 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 made me cringe and i didn't even know the woman i didn't even meet my son yet and so i i understand and um so i, I you know there's a lot of funny parts because they're true and especially the area where my husband's from the women are amazing you know cooks and you know they are um, just very strong they're known to be very strong opinions um and hard workers but they will just tell you how it is and it's their way or the highway and um you know i already had a couple strikes against me being not 100 percent greek but i at the same part was a lot better than my husband's ex who wasn't greek at all so i thought you know hey you know i speak greek i go to greece every summer but, you know, she had very set ways, again, I guess around wedding time, everyone can relate to this book. She had very set ways on how she thought a wedding should follow exact traditions. And we, I come from a different side of my family where we have different traditions. And so, and I'm part American. So melding everything, you know, caused a lot of uh, tension. Um, but, you know, and just communication styles. And I think that what mothers should realize, and I'm going to have to remind myself this as well, is that the more tension you create with your daughter-in-law, the more you're putting your son in the middle, and the more sometimes your son might distance, not excommunicate you or anything, but not feel as comfortable. It just naturally is going to happen. You're going to want to avoid tension. And, you know, the more you're closer to your daughter-in-law, the more voluntarily your son will come around. Um, and you know, I think that there's an amazing show. Everybody loves Raymond. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, uh, that, that show is hilarious. And the mother lives next door. My mother lives thousands of miles. My mother-in-law lives thousands of miles away, but you know, Greek women and women in general, mothers can make comments about cleanliness, how you're going to feed your child, what you're going to do. And so I think it's just taking a step back and trying to find ways of, to bond with your daughter-in-law because you'll just have a stronger relationship. Um, on the flip side, I'll say my grandma was my, one of my biggest role models. And apparently she was not happy, you know, when, <laughs> when my mother, my mother who was an American tourist who got 
pregnant out of wedlock, but they got married within five months. My grandma planned the whole thing and she wasn't completely warm with my mother at first. But when, even after you know, my parents divorced, um, which was a very big thing back then, um, my grandma had seen how my mom sent me to Greece every summer and she really made an effort to be close to my mother. Um, and they were very dear friends. And when I got married, my grandma even asked me to not sit her with her family. She wanted to sit next to my mother. Hmm. And so, and that made everything and everybody's lives growing up a lot different. And this, I mean, we were all laughing. She invited my mom and my stepdad to back to after the wedding to our summer home. And my dad was there and that was like, that could, a whole new book can be written by that whole situation. They were all together and laughing with each other, which doesn't usually happen. So for me growing up and having my grandma and my mom get along meant the world to me. And so I'm going to try to be the bigger person. I haven't always, I will admit, I've probably said catty things back to my mother-in-law or done things on purpose <laughs> to bother her. So I will do my best to try to communicate better with her as well. Cause I think daughter-in-laws too can get can put their husbands unfairly in the middle. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but that's about it. I just think if that's a relationship, there can be a lot of, I mean, there's funny things, how they'll make catty comments of how you cook, you know, um, just everything. I mean, I, I remember I, we, the first time I met my mother-in-law, she had a, like a six course meal for us. It was incredible. She grabbed my husband's sock and said, oh, you have a hole in it. Let me sew you. Let me sew it for you. <laughs> and I looked at my husband. I said, you know, he, I was dating at the time. I said, you know that if you marry me, that's never going to happen. I mean, I love <laughs> stuff, but yeah. I'm buying a new pair of socks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, as long as you can get through your differences and laugh them out and, you know, and know that you're going to run into things and there's going to be, um, there's going to be tension at times as there are in the normal families. Um, I think, you know, you just get a bigger family and I, I'm working on that too. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I will stay out of the cat fight, but I will say it takes two to tango. And if I agree, if, if your man is a mama's boy and not making the right choice, then because um, I've heard that Southern Europeans like Spanish and, and, and Greek are mama's boys. What, is that true? You know, they can be. I got very, very lucky. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, they can be. My husband had to come out to the States on his own when he was 18 on a scholarship for tennis. And so he had to be on his own for a long time. Hmm. So he has actually stood up for me many a time. You know, he's never going to yell or be disrespectful. And I wouldn't want him to be that way because that's not how I would ever want my son to speak to me. But he won't be a pushover. Um, but in general, I would say, yes, Southern European, their hmm. mother will mommy them. I mean, we joke that, you know, guys stay in the womb as long as possible. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> yeah. They want to get back um, in. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the man's part is, is the man's part is, is really, you know, staying their ground and, and not yeah. buckling because it can be really hard on the new wife. Yeah. And I will say on the flip side, they should defend their wife, but if their wife messes up in private, tell them, Hey, you can do this better too, because you know, it goes both ways. That's good advice. I remember yes. my, uh, my roommate a, a long time ago when I was young and dynamic and all that, my room, and we were all in college, and my roommate was doing a semester in, in London, and he, he was so annoyed because all of the Spanish and I think Greek guys were hogging the payphones in the dorm to call mama, you know, like every day, you know, <laughs> and he was really mad. <laughs> it, uh, yes, I think it goes, I mean, it's, it's, it's 
Spanish, Greek. Uh, here in LA, I would say Persian probably as well too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a lot of, you know, and you come from cultures, I think any culture that is big on food hmm. um, and serving and the mother has that role, it's always going to be a connection, you know, like why wouldn't you live at home until you get married when you have somebody cooking, cleaning, folding your laundry and doing everything for you? <laughs> I would. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think you know, notice that as much trying to think on, on my other side, my American side, not as much as the ones where they have like a lot of, I think where cooking and, and food and big parties and, that old school way of serving the family and showing your love through cooking and caring and cleaning. Um, I think, yeah, that definitely ha happens. Yeah. I got to read one part of your book. Oh, I sure. Li I liked it. It said unsolicited advice to moms, people who have birthed human beings think they have an unfettered right to provide advice to any new mom, whether new the newbie mom wants such advice or not. I think that really sums it up quite well, you know? Yeah, it, uh, it does. And I realized I did it. And yeah. I was coming from a good place. You know, a couple months after I gave birth, I, I we are we were incredibly, incredibly lucky with our son. Because mm -hmm. at almost a little less than three months, he started sleeping nine to 11 hours every Ooh, night. Wow. And uh, <laughs> we did. So I thought it was something maybe you know, you know, put him down, let him sleep, self-soothe and, and so forth. And my, I have very two dear friends in, in, in Greece and I don't know why they didn't punch me because looking <laughs> back, I would have punched me. And I was saying, Hey, let him cry a little bit, or maybe, you know, just get out of the room once you put him down. Cause my son would put himself to sleep, not anymore now, but he would put himself to sleep and you know, they just said, oh, thank you. And I was coming from the place that I wanted them to sleep. So they knew that and they could see through that. But I remember that sometimes mothers would call me when I was pregnant or after pregnant saying, make sure you sleep, make sure you don't worry about cleaning or, you know, you should do this. And that should, that should word triggers you hmm. to say, well, they're telling yeah. me to clean, but oh, now that's all I'm thinking of is in my house that has laundry everywhere. And I haven't even changed out of my pajamas and, you know, I don't even know what's up or down. So I just would caution, even if it's coming from a good place, just wait until they ask you something. And if they want to vent, don't try to fix their problems. Sometimes moms just want to vent. They just want to say, this is bothering me. Um, and so I've, I've been very conscious now because I have a couple of friends that are almost about to give birth and have given birth. And if they vent to me, I just listen. If they ask me a question, I'll say, this is what has worked for me. Um, but you know, when it, if we want to go back to Greek, you know, for a laughter, I quote this in the book, my friend, right before she gave birth, there was a couple of Greek women that called her and said, don't get the epidural. You should feel that tearing, that pain will bond you more with your child. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and, and just picture all these like seven Greek grandmas, like the little mafia walking around <laughs> telling you this and you know, and my, 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 my friend and she's strong, she goes, I'm going to do what's best for me. And that's what everyone has to understand. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, well um, should is definitely a trigger word. And people should not use it that much anymore, you know. And, I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, you also have a really cool part. I don't want to give too much away of your book, but you have <laughs> a good part. Uh, uh, in the Woman's Code, The Gal's Guide. You, you want to talk about that a little bit? 
just the chapter at the end, like about what? Yeah, the, the woman's yeah. code. So the women's code is basically at the end of the book, it summarizes every chapter. So every chapter, for those who haven't read the book, every chapter deals with a different area that a woman can be an enemy to each other. So we have what we've just talked about, like the mother-in-laws being that person at work, the uh, woman's cause of stress at work, um, the other woman, you know, not liking somebody's, um, uh, your man's platonic female friend, just because that's your man's friend. And don't be that bridesmaid. There's a lot of examples, but each yeah. chapter then ends with a positive example and lesson for what, um, if implemented, can eliminate these instances and uplift women. So at the end of the book, it gives basically these guidelines from every lesson of the book, like, you know, and it ends with being kind to yourself first. So the, the guide, I mean, you can read it through, but you know. I got to read one. I got to yeah, read you one. Sh you should, you should. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'll okay. tell you. Then. I, Number ahead. 10, avoid hooking up with your, your friend's ex. <laughs> yes. And I would say go to number 11. If you want to date your friend's ex, address it with your friend first. Um, because, you know, that, that happens. Somebody might have hooked up with somebody in high school or dated them in high school. And now it's like, you know, 20, 12 years later, you just tell your friend. And listen, I, I've done it to my friends not thinking that they would even care because they had moved on. So it, it happens to all of us. And it, it doesn't mean that they want the guy still. It's more of this was my friend and it causes all these questions like, oh, did they like them when I was dating them? And it's just a sign of respect. It's not like, the, I, I want to draw a line, you know, guys, it, they, um, I, I don't want to equivocate guys to, uh, to dog. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 because guys, <laughs> I think guys, it's a little more territorial, meaning like that's their- Well, I got something to say about that too, because that, that's why yeah. I find it so funny is because, um, uh, guys don't do that, right? But when they do hook up with your friend's ex, then we call them a woman. We say, what are you, a, a chick? You know? Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they, it, you know, people say, oh, what? You peed on them. That's your property. And that, that's not. <laughs> women, <laughs> yeah. women were more emo emotionally complex. And so yeah. all these questions come up and it's a violation of trust. And again, yeah. a lot of the times it never is meant to be a violation. I don't think the reason I brought this up is that I don't think they understand what it can cause the person who is being victimized about this. But, you know, I, I think, you know, and then I think the one that was big is tell your friend if they are being cheated on. It's probably the hardest thing and you might even lose the friend for a while because they usually, they shoot the messenger. Um, but if you yep. really care about your friend, um, just tell them. And if they choose what they choose, don't judge them either way. But um, yeah, so it has about thir it has 13 gals guides. Um, and, you know, the first starts off with keeping your friends secrets in the strictest of confidence. Um, and don't get mad at your friends for keeping other people's secrets because mm -hmm. um, you should value those friends. And it goes through all of them. Um, no, that's and okay. Everybody else can read the book and buy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, how about some miscellaneous questions? Sure. Okay, if you could eat dinner with anyone, past, present, or future, who would it be? Can I choose two or do I have to give you one? Oh, no, go for two. Okay, well, the first is Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. Um, I, I have a background in dance. I grew up loving Selena. I know Jennifer Lopez is not Selena, but that was her first movie. And I think what she's done for women, um, the body image of women, 
and aging amazingly and showing health over ever being skinny and her athleticism and just her love for life and just I always admired her because a dancer's dream would have been to be on tour with Janet Jackson and uh, she decided on the world tour when she was offered it to say no I'm gonna pursue my own career and most people thought she was crazy um, and she bet on herself and so I just other than the fact that I always tried to dress like her in college and I just looked up to her and I think she's just fantastic. I, I, I admire her guts more than anything. That's cool. She bet on herself. Yeah. And she gave up or turned down that really good offer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Janet Jackson is the queen of dance for, I mean, I, there will never I don't be. think so. I think, you know, but okay. I'm a guy. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I'm a guy. Whatever. If you, if you see people that came after her, they've implemented mm -hmm. a lot of her stuff. She's fantastic. <laughs> um, the other one is something that has touched me in a personal way. And, and, and it's another celebrity. She's Greek American. Um, it's Maria Menounos. Um, mm -hmm. She has a podcast actually called Getting Better Together. And it, had helped me through when I lost my father a really really hard time for me and it talks about different ways to get better in the physical emotional financial uh spiritual sense and um I connected even and she was going through a hard time and she's so vulnerable and hmm. other than the fact that she's an amazing journalist I really look up to her and if I ever got the chance to sit down and talk to her I would tell her how much she meant to me that is cool. I'm going to look up yeah. that podcast. That's a good tip. What's her name? Uh, her, so her name's Maria Menunos. Um, Menunos. So it's, yes, M-E-N-O-U-N-O-S. She has a pretty cool story in the fact that her mother it, was diagnosed a couple of years ago with glioblastoma, um, cancer mm -hmm. in the brain, and survived it, came back, survived it. She's, she looks wow. through alternative message. She's living, I think on her fourth year now. And Maria like would take her to Mexico, do vitamin C drips and just all these different ways to complement Western, med Western, med Western med medicine. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can't even talk. We um, got it. <laughs> and, um, but she also, she went through a year later, had a, a brain tumor benign and had to have it removed. And when she got the brain tumor, she realized she's going to slow down her life in Hollywood, like in Hollywood, she was doing so much amazing reporting and journalism mm -hmm. and just focus on what, what makes her thrive and, and just light up. And this podcast is where she starts and she interviews amazing people and cool. then helps people get better. So yeah, that's a good tip. I'm going to look that up. Maybe yeah. I'll put it in yeah. the show notes or something. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's a hard one. What is the one book that changed your life? So it's the book uh, called The Art of, uh, uh, of Racing in the Rain by oh. Garth Stein. Uh, it's written from the perspective of a dog. Uh, mm -hmm. They made a movie about it now, but I read it before the movie was even in the picture. Cool. And it's, you know, his, his relationship with his owner, who is a race car driver, but then, you know, gets married, um, has kids, and, and what it, I, I think we should all be more like animals. Um, dogs, I'm a, I'm a big dog lover. All right, me too. Dog. Yeah, and love for them is so simple. <laughs> and especially in times right now, especially what we're going through in the entire world, um, mm -hmm. focusing on how simple life should be. Um, and I think God, dog's perspective of life is so simple. 
and we could learn a lot from it. So that book kind of made me start to be like, you know what, a lot of things don't matter. And if we looked at the way dogs look at, like giving unconditional support, just want to play, just want to be with each other, um, I think we could learn a lot from dogs. Interesting, indeed. Is that also your favorite author? No. It, so that's a very hard question for me because I've never really followed. I had to think about it. I've never followed one author because I think there's so many amazing authors. Mm -hmm. and yeah. There's also bloggers, which are authors, because sometimes bloggers, the way you consume information is, is quicker. But I will say the person who I read back-to-back -back books because I liked her writing style. And so I would guess she'd be one of my favorite authors is um, Laura Wein, uh, Weinberger. Weisberger. Uh, okay. She wrote the, um, the book, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Weisberger. Sorry. And, um, she also wrote then the people, I, en I ended up reading another book, which I like more of hers than the Devil Wears Prada. I actually really like the Devil Wears Prada, but, um, uh, people worth knowing. And the reason why I liked Laura Weisberger's work is because she wrote in a way that was applicable to different ages and people can relate and they can relate to wanting their idea of success, but really there it's very superficial. Um, and I just really, it was a very smooth, smooth read and it was very easy to take in. And I think with me going through school where you're constantly reading and writing, you don't want to read a lot of books that will make you like, you know, have too many things in the abstract. And I, I really liked her style of writing. Cool. Yeah, that's a good tip. I'm going to check that out too. Yeah. 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 And especially Menunos. Oh, so you should, you should check her podcast <laughs> out. It's, fan yeah. it's fantastic. Better together podcast. I will. I will. So, but back to you. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. What's uh, your, do you have any productivity or life hacks? What's your number one life hack? Uh, <laughs> okay you want you want a productivity life hack or a life oh either or either or okay. i should have just said one you know um well again no the, uh, i'll say quickly about the productivity is you get done what you least want to do in the day like your least favorite thing that you have to do in the day just get mm -hmm. it done first oh yeah okay uh, you know swallow the frog first whatever oh yeah i've heard that but, was yeah. that from mark yeah. twain I think so. I, I don't know. They say it a lot, but just, if you just get it over with rather than building the anxiety, whether it's that difficult conversation you have to have, whether it's that difficult mm -hmm. email you have to write or that project, just do it in the morning where, and just get it done. You'll feel so much better. <laughs> um, but in life, I would say, don't change yourself, be you. Um, mm -hmm. It was something I had to really struggle with because I am a very, very positive person. Um, people could take that as fake. I was told you have to toughen up if you're going to be an attorney. You're gonna if you're going to be someone's boss, you can't be stepped over. So don't come off as nice. Um, mm. I hold my ground pretty well, but I will always be the positive person. If people and what people once they get to know me, they realize it's real. I had a lot of people first thinking I might be fake or that I'm some sort of Pollyanna, um, but I just like to look at the positive because if you there's so much negative out there, but there's so much positive. And if you focus on the positive, you'll attract more positivity. And that doesn't mean that you're weak. So I just say it to people that you don't have to change yourself to meld into a role. You can have the role meld into your style. Nice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So knowing that, what's the one thing you would do different or more of if you had to do it all over again? 
I would say not kind of two prongs to this. Be kinder to yourself. I'm my own worst critic and you spend so much time being hypercritical and kind of looking backwards of like, I could have done that better rather than realizing that happened for a reason because it's preparing you for something else. Mm-hmm. And exactly to my point, if I hadn't gone through my own mistakes in life, I wouldn't have ways to be vulnerable and connect and help somebody not make those mistakes. So I would say, don't beat yourself up. It happened. Just learn from it and move forward. And I, I think, and then the other one is just don't worry so much <laughs> because I tend to over, I would tend to overthink. And I know we're done talking about books, but the, like my favorite book, but I, it's not my favorite book, but it was something that had an impact is, uh, the simple art of not giving up. Uh, I'm not going to Yeah, swear. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. That yeah. I think is actually, it's, it's a quick read and it's really something to remember is like, okay, this happened. Why did it happen? And let's learn from it and move forward. Don't, don't worry about things you can't control. I'm going to write that down. The simple art of not giving uh, we'll let everybody else <laughs> complete the sentence. Yes, 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 yes. I <laughs> but agree. I've seen it now. I have to go check it out. Yes. Now that you recommended it. All right. Let's see. Before we wrap this up, what's on the horizon for you? Well, my, my book just recently came out uh, last month. So mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, I'm going to be doing podcasts. I'm going to, um, you know, there was an article done on me. I'm going to be looking to uh, hopefully speak at some women's groups. Um, I already have my outline for my second book uh, done. Cool. I have to do that. But I really want to use this book to possibly, you know, speak and help individually or uh, big groups of people realize how they can be better, whether it's in the workforce, um, motherhood, uh, motherhood or in daily life. Um, so I've had people reach out individually and in group settings and I don't want to pigeonhole myself yet because mm-hmm. I, I want to see what's going. I love what I do as vice president. I get to mentor people every single day. Um, mm-hmm. I have an incredible, credible team and I'm so proud of the firm because where we are, there is not that culture and it's an open door culture and people ask each other and jump in and it's not competitive and people say, mm-hmm. can you help me with this? And um, I just, what's on the horizon is growing, that firm has grown um, a lot and it's continuing. And also I hope to, you know, coach uh, individuals and uh, speak on bigger platforms about uh, this book and spreading what I've learned and hopefully help other people as well and learn from them. That's awesome. Yeah. uh, Public speaking and events are a great way to, uh, you know, increase your audience and and yeah. I even sell books, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that's one of my goals too. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, so where can people reach you online? Oh, so I have a website. Um, so it's www.womenemies, and that's spelled W-O-M-E-N-E-M-I-E-S.com. And there you can... Um, can, you can buy my book. There's a link that goes mm-hmm. directly to Amazon because it's available on Amazon. There's a little bit more about me. There's a way to contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, can they book you for a speaking engagement? Yes. You, there's an email address. So it's my first name, Marilena, mm-hmm. M-A-R-I-L-E-N-A at womenemies.com. And it's on the website. Um, and then also I, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, 
LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and, and I have it all on the website. If you go to, you can click and it links you right there to my page. Awesomeness. Marilena Falaris. We're enemies. Thank yes. you so much. Well, it's been being, such a pleasure. I look and forward to seeing your next book. Thank you. I hope to have you, uh, you know, see you back on the show when it comes out. Excellent. Yes, we will make a date. And <laughs> okay. I wish you all the luck. And I, um, what's the next um, um, timeline for your next book? Launch date? You have it yet? No, I have to, I have to write the book first. And right now I just, I've, I've outlined it, but I want to focus on, mm -hmm. you know, again, on the present and enjoying this book and getting the word out because I've mm -hmm. actually gotten a lot of amazing feedback and I want to help individuals and, and work on this book and speak and then, um, you know, take my time writing the second, but it, you know, I won't be a couple of years. It will, it will be out before then, but I, I want to, uh, you know, see where this book takes me because it's taken me to great people like you so far. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take you straight to the top. So remember yeah. to, Contact me again when your next book comes out and uh, we'll do. another one. Will do. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you, Eric. You have a great podcast. Oh, that, that really hits my heart. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. You too. Okay, my friends. If you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top. <laughs>